Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan, and today on The Detail... It's almost 100 years old. Let's go to the jib crisis, if we can call it that. It's Kiwi made. Let's talk about the jib crisis. You can't get it. What is it? Jib. Jib. Jib board. Sheets of jib. Everyone's talking about jib. Tens of thousands of houses ready and waiting to be built, but no jib in sight. We should have had uh, jib on this site four weeks ago. Companies have been told that any orders they make won't arrive until next year. The product that set the standard for plasterboard in New Zealand for almost a century. When building or renovating, generations of Kiwis have trusted jib plasterboard. But it's now almost impossible to get your hands on. And with our largest producer, Fletcher Building, in a bit of hot water... Shareholders say the company, which produces most of the country's plasterboard, isn't taking responsibility for its role in the shortage. Finance and building company Simplicity Living will meet with Fletcher Building this Friday to ask for answers. Calls tonight for Fletcher Building's board chair to resign over claims of culture issues and systemic failures within the company that could see a customer revolt. Today on the podcast, we're looking at the great plasterboard shortage of 2022. How did it come to this? Why are we so heavily reliant on a single manufacturer for such a crucial building material? And could this have wider repercussions for the company at the top of the tree? Anne Gibson is the New Zealand Herald's property editor. What's jib? Basically, it's gypsum from a mine put between two sheets of paper. That's what jib board is. My British friends call it drywall. Mm -hmm. My Australian friends call it jib rock, and we call it jib. So it's like jib is a trade name, but it's become so um, inured in our culture that we refer refer to all plasterboard as jib. Like Kleenex or Glad Wrap. Like sellotape. Like sellotape. (laughs) Okay, but so if jib is plasterboard... Tell me about plasterboard. What does plasterboard do? What do we use it for? Basically lining our ceilings and our walls, Um, not just lining for generic sort of um, visual purposes, but the jib that we use in New Zealand has all sorts of special properties. It's used for bracing walls, so it's a structural element. It can be. There's a a fire jib, so it has a fire rating on on the jib board, and, and that's got great application. Aqualine is a jib product that is used in wet situations, so you might have a, a shower that's all tiled or a wet room in a house, so that jib. So we've got so many different mm. sorts of jib for different applications, and that could be in airports or office buildings or apartments or shops, anywhere. Plasterboard's pretty much crucial to every construction job that I could think of. So who makes jib? So it's made by Winston Warboards. It's a subsidiary of Fletcher Building. Fletcher Building is listed on the Australian and the New Zealand share market. Now, Winston Warboards really, it, its genesis is back to 1927. That's when. So we used to, before 1927, we used to import plasterboard from America. Mm. And in fact, our old house in Devonport, we've got a. A plasterboard on the wall, which I think must have been imported, and it's got horse hair in it. Mm. So it's an old-style plasterboard, right? Very dense, very thick, and evidently very good in terms of fire, mm. I've been told. But anyway, so Winstone Wallboard's very successful, part of the building products division of Fletcher Building, and they have a really good model in terms of, you know, they've, they've got 94 to 95% of the New Zealand market. So mm. it's a really big share. 
that's staggering, 94 to 95% of the market. How, how have they come to dominate the market like this? Well, if you're Winstone Warboards and David Thomas, the general manager, you might say Jib dominates the New Zealand market to this extent because it's so good. It's such a great product. It's innovated. It's changed. It's got great service. It's got great design. It's got the properties that we want in our plasterboard. It performs the functions we need. It's a great price. We can get it uh, to you through Mitre 10 or placemakers or Bunnings or ITM or Carters or you know so we've got a big market penetration they make it in two places in New Zealand in um, Penrose and in Hillsborough and Christchurch and those factories are running 24 hours a day, Mm. 7 days a week at the moment so it's a a very um, big operation. Now if you're a critic and you don't like the 94 to 95% like Sam Stubbs of Simplicity Living he would say this is a masterclass. Masterclass in corporate lobbying. He would say that. Fletchers have spent many years getting jib into our build, building codes. The consequence of that is, 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 is huge now for the cost of homes. They're more expensive than they need to be. And also right now, even the ability to build them. Lobbying. Could you elaborate on that? It suggests like a layered approach to getting your product embedded within building an architectural culture. And that, that's one of the big criticisms that Sam Stubbs has levelled at Jib, isn't it? That, that it's sort of, it's infiltrated architectural circles and it's infiltrated councils. Yes. Well, that's right, because his criticism is that Jib is actually specified in a lot of territorial authorities' building consent application documents. So the word Jib appears. Now, if you're going to uh, be Sam Stubbs and Shane Brearley and use a product that's imported from Thailand... It's between 20 and 40% cheaper, depending on the grade of board, and it is arriving in eight weeks from the time it's ordered in uh, in Thailand uh, versus, well, um, our latest orders with uh, features have said maybe eight months. When you apply to build your 132 townhouses in Kupanga at Point England, you've got to cross out the word jib. You've got to put in the Thai plasterboard name. Mm. Now, what that triggers is what they call a minor variation to the application. And in these big building jobs, which are very complex because we know they can come unwind and have quite disastrous consequences for people, when there are variations to the contract, it does a couple of things. It potentially costs more money and takes more time, and those two are intrinsically wound together. And so... I don't know that there was a great realisation by the general public that JIB is actually specified in a lot of territorial authorities' documents. The authorities, you know, the councils or compliance, the building codes, they've made it really hard for there to be competition. Now, what Shane and Sam say now is that Auckland Council has moved very fast to the point that they got a consent application through with their alternative product from Thailand within uh, just two or three days. Auckland Council is cutting back on red tape, approving many substituted building products on site to help get the industry through a plasterboard supply crisis. So that Auckland Council had already moved very fast. So there's big change, big change going on already. There's been a reaction to that, um, you know, very inured nature of jib in our culture. So in order to get a build consented by a council, you would need to write on your application that you are going to be using jib. 
Is the reason for that that jib is like a known quantity? Jib is has been found to fulfil the conditions in terms of Building Act and Building Code and regulations and standards. So the Building Research Association comes in here and what it does is it looks at products and um, it examines whether they're fit for purpose. Now, JIB is obviously fit for purpose mm. in New Zealand. That's another reason that it's got such a big market share. Even in, in spite of what you've just described, it does still seem a little bit curious that one company would have 94 to 95% of the market. Like, Do we know why other local competitors haven't sprung up? Well, there has been a challenge to JIB from um, Australian manufacturers. They sold some into the market here and then pulled out about a couple of years ago. And Elephant Board from Thailand, um, that's been coming into New Zealand for quite a few years. Now, um, the problem with JIB is it's heavy. I don't know if, mm. <laughs> if you Shane Brearley picked up a whole sheet of it on a building site a couple of weeks ago and walked around with it, and I thought, that's something. He's been um, working out, yeah. <laughs> he's working out. Um, because it's heavy stuff, so actually to import it is quite expensive. And um, I was talking to Container Door about that this week, and they said you can't actually bring in 40-foot containers of jib. They're too heavy for the port handling facilities. You have to bring in 20-foot containers, so much smaller. They said you can get furniture and sporting goods in the 40-foot containers, but not jib because it's just so jolly heavy. Mm. So that's one of the reasons that... I mean, I suppose the other thing is, you know, you have to give credit to Winston Warboards and say... Well, you know, people bought from them because because they did a good job mm. and because they supplied it and because for decades there were no problems. Yeah. It's only been a problem recently and people have then had to look elsewhere and say, well, what do we do about this? So it's like one of those things that you didn't know it was a problem until it was a problem. Well, let's talk a bit – well, actually, just before we get into this, I want to just talk really briefly about the advantages and the disadvantages to having – one company controls so much of the market? Well, the pluses are, you know, surely we value brand New Zealand. Surely we we talk about um, adding value to products. Well, Winston certainly do that mm. in terms of jib. We talk about keeping jobs in New Zealand. Now, they employ a lot of people. We talk about investment in New Zealand. That is a very big business that is very... You know, has has been very well run, turning out very good product that's appropriate. So those are the pluses. Now, the minuses are when something goes wrong. Let's talk a bit about what has led to the situation that we're in now. And maybe we'll begin Christmas 2019, shall we say, around that kind of period, because that's when Winstone shuts down for its annual maintenance, right? They had the shutdown at Christmas at that time, and then COVID came along, and then they had longer periods of shutdown when they couldn't carry on. And the problem with that was that I don't think anyone foresaw what was going to happen to the housing market, so suddenly house prices just shot up. But also alterations and renovations because people weren't going overseas or spending their money here. I've just been driving around Hearn Bay and yeah. you can hardly move for the trades vehicles it's around amazing, there. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but also Fletchers were already planning. They'd been planning for some years previously to build a new factory. Now, the factory at Penrose, I've been through it a few years ago. It's pretty impressive, but there are parts of it that even appeared to my untrained eye to be somewhat outdated. Mm. 
Fletcher Building had already committed $400 million, that's a massive amount of money, to building the new plasterwood factory at Tariko and Tauranga. So that was already underway. Now what um, Ross Taylor from Fletcher Building said when I asked him about this last week is they lost six to 12 months of building when they were working on that factory. So that put them a long way back. So they're not due to open that now until next year. So had the pandemic come along, <laughs> and had and, you know had had it not come along and you know spiked the housing market so much, and had there not been delays to the factory construction, things might have looked quite different to what they look now. I see. So essentially, what happens is Winstone is already shut down over Christmas as usual, so its production has stopped for a for a period of time. Then the pandemic hits. And production ceases completely because it's not considered a level four activity. Is that it right? It wasn't considered essential in those early stages. And I think yeah. um, later there was some adjustment to that when it became apparent that stopping production had such a drastic effect on mm. the on the construction sector. But then you couple that with the effects of the pandemic and. Uh, an increase in in house building, an increase in people having disposable income and therefore having work done on their house. And not only is there a drop-off in supply of jib, but there's also a massive uptake of of demand. Yes, so what, you know, really when you look at it, um, a perfect storm in terms of all those factors coming together, so unfortunate. And, you know, huge anger on building sites when people could no longer get jib and the sites had to be shut down. We should have had uh, jib on this site four weeks ago. It was ordered in January. It might come in July, it might come in September, it might come in November. Liquidations within the construction sector are on the rise, but an industry expert says they're the tip of the iceberg. A total of 92 companies in the building sector have gone into liquidation into the year to May 23rd, according to figures from the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment. I guess an element of this as well is that the logical thing to... Well, yeah, I guess kind of the logical thing to do in a situation like that if you're a builder and that the supply of jib is uncertain, is to get your hands on as much jib as possible. And that sort of happens, isn't it? It's like a, like the building equivalent of the toilet paper shortages. Oh, I know. You know, <laughs> um, like on um, online, you know, you can, you can usually buy a standard sheet of jib for about $28, but... Um, there were auctions online where it got to 180, you know, wow. a sheet and more. It's actually worth a lot of money in today's environment. It's gold. I could sell it 10 times over. People were talking about trading goods to get jib, you know. The, when I go home at night, there's a big sign on a fence saying, jib for sale here. <laughs> you know, it's like it became the new gold. The right? new gold, yeah. <laughs> Gee, that's a terrible situation to be in too, isn't it, in that... There's only so much that Winstone can really do to scale up production. Well, it's so frustrating. And, you know, Ross Taylor, his words were, we get it. You know, we understand. We do realise the impact that we're having. I think um, a bit of a a really unfortunate thing was um, Fletcher Living, one of the other subsidiaries, was working in Christchurch. And they've got uh, quite a few houses they're putting up, uh, I think, out near Lincoln. And, um, unfortunately, one of the local... I would imagine very annoyed uh, tradespeople in Christchurch drove past all these Fletcher Living signs with his phone and he filmed all the jib on pallets, all wrapped up, and no roofs on the houses. Oh, yep, here we go. No roof on and jib. No roof on, more jib. People wanting to know why they can't get jib. Maybe it's because they're not Fletchers. 
what Fletcher's did, one of the things that Winston and Woolworths did in an attempt to manage this terrible supply shortage was they said, we'll only get the jib to your site when you're ready to put it up. Now, there they were, flying in the face of their own instructions, and the jib had been delivered quite early to their site. So that was really shocking, and I think it was sort of, um, you know, it just, it just made people even angrier. Lots of the criticism around this, and you alluded to it again before with um, Sam Stubbs' criticism, seems sort of hinged around the idea that if there were more competition in New Zealand, perhaps this situation, you know, the pressure would have been taken off. Would it, though? Like, if there was another producer of jibboard, local producer of jibboard in New Zealand, surely they would have suffered from the same strains as... Winstone did. Maybe, but there's no talk of another producer at this stage. What the reaction has been pretty much is that Naylor Love, you know, big jobs like the Christchurch Cathedral and a lot of others, they're importing it from Australia now. Mm. Simplicity are getting it from Thailand. Container Dora are bringing it in. But, you know, what Fletcher says in response is, you know, they're making about 2,500 container loads of jib over a sort of couple of three-month period. So really, you know, if Simplicity is bringing in four containers a month, mm-hmm. you know, you really get an idea of the perspective. Like if you think of these two big factories that operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, you know, you really get an idea of, of how much output they are attempting to get through to the market to supply people, to meet the demand. You know, they say that they're doing all they can. So, you know, look, there's really two sides to that. In the meantime, the market is responding. Simplicity Living, which is building 10,000 rent-to-buy homes over the next 10 years, has cancelled all its jib orders, saying it can import a competing product more quickly and cheaply. But Winstone says it expects the plasterboard market to be brought back to equilibrium by October. So is Simplicity Living cutting off its nose to spite its face? Their, their view, which they've expressed very clearly, is that it's wrong for one business to have 94 to 95% of the market. And they're going to go elsewhere. That'll be interesting. It's a really good question. Like, what happens in the future? Has the game really changed? And, you know, I think it's really interesting that Megan Woods has formed the task force. The group set up by the Minister for Building and Construction, Megan Woods, includes construction, building consent and supply chain experts and will meet for the first time next week. And that she's talking, she's asked Winstone not to enforce its trademarks against those who import jibs. It says supply will increase by 10% in the next four months as it reconfigures its factory, increases imports and issues royalty-free licences to 10 parties to import foreign-made plasterboard. It's interesting that the Minister has said that, but also we have got you know the perfect storm in some ways for Fletcher Building because we've also got the Commerce Commission looking into uh, competition in the house, you know, house building sector mm-hmm. and they're due to come up with a preliminary report late in July. So that's going to be interesting to see. Gee, it's going to be a fascinating time. Isn't it? You, you mentioned the task force before. What is this task force being tasked with? They're being asked to basically investigate the situation. So they've got a report back to the minister. Um, the terms of reference are being set. The interesting thing is the composition. We've got um, Tex Edwards, the telco founder, two degrees guy. We've got um, David Kelly from Master Builders. 
and I think we've got Shane Brealy on that as well. And we've got someone from Local Government New Zealand. Mm. So it's a really interesting mix. Uh, we've got Sir Stephen Tyndall as yeah, well from the Warehouse. So one. it's quite an interesting mix of people with a lot of um, depth of knowledge and experience and expertise. And actually, Tex Edwards very interesting. He's called me a couple of times in the last week. And one thing he did say to me, which I found fascinating, was in 2014, the Commerce Commission looked into Winstone Warboards and the arrangements that it had with merchants and suppliers and the payments that were being made for business. Now, um, that investigation by the Commerce Commission didn't actually amount to recommendations for any change. And I read the findings of that last night. Basically, it said that the quality of the product and the service were high, and that's what engendered customer support mm. rather than any um, sort of kickbacks or um, you know anything that was nefarious that was going on. So it was good that Tex remembered that investigation. And so he's sort of pointing out, look, things haven't been right with Jib for quite a long time. Now, what we've got there is really interesting, what they call in business a vertically integrated model. Mm. So basically you make the stuff and you sell it. So a subsidiary of Fletcher Building makes a jib board and they sell it through their placemakers national outlets, which are very much pitched more towards the trade mm. than you know retail customers. So having that control of the market is what, you know, concerns people like Tex Edwards and um, his Monopoly Watch put in a very, very strongly worded submission to this Commerce Commission investigation saying, um, you know, basically call, calling for a separational split and unwinding of businesses in this area. Well, that's a big deal. Just to ensure that I've got you, that I understand what you're saying there, there is a school of thought that Fletcher's controls too many complementary outlets yep. in the building area and should be broken up. Yeah, totally. That's, you know, that, uh, that is, there's definitely a narrative out there that says that. And look, you know, that, that's, a lot of people have said that for many decades in New Zealand. I've even, I've talked to the Fletcher building people about this from time to time, you know, that there is a, there is a school of opinion out there that says, you know, too big and, um, you know, not good for us from that point of view. But, you know, Fletcher Building would say, well, they've got uh, 16,000 employees. Um, they're one of the larger companies on the NZX and the ASX. Uh, even, you know, Sam Stubbs acknowledges around about a million Kiwis <laughs> effectively mm. own part of Fletcher Building because we, you know, through our KiwiSaver yeah. providers, right? So, you know. And we want frontier firms, right? This is what big, the productivity commission is really big on this. We want big companies yep. to be here and to stay here. Yep. Big successful companies. Let's you know. Let's um, have brand New Zealand and uh, brand Aotearoa. So you know, I, I I can see I can see that from both sides. But you know, what'll be interesting is what comes out next month from the Commerce Commission, and then a bit like supermarket inquiries, what reaction does the government then have to the Commerce Commission findings about competition? for the price of goods in the house building sector. And really the heat will be on Megan Woods. Now this is really interesting. She's just got the building and construction portfolio from Potter Williams. She's also got housing. So you know, people are really happy to see that she's got those two uh, portfolios which are very important and the one minister has got them rather than separating them. Now, now um, it'll be really interesting to see what reaction she has to this Commerce Commission report 
um, into you know initial findings and um, you know how the government do, does the government move on this? Is there is there going to be some talk about changing the the um, the way that we go about making, selling, distributing building products in New Zealand? That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson. Bonnie Harrison is our associate producer. And thanks to Anne Gibson. Matewa.